This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters Podcast, where we take the intimidation out of well-being and beauty to help you achieve your highest state, your nirvana. We are sisters-in-law and your hosts. I'm Amy Sherman. And I'm Katie Chandler. So let's get into some real conversation. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are sitting down with Sarah K. Hoffman. She's the founder of A Gutsy Girl, thegutsygirl.com. It's an online community geared towards women who are looking for reasonable approaches for healing IBS, IBD, SIBO, and all things gut-focused. What began for Sarah as an online journal documenting the day-to-day with one health issue after the next would shortly become less story-focused and more research and journalistic-based, which I very much understand that, Sarah. Today, Sarah seeks out highly detailed information and then condenses it in digestible ways for women worldwide. After years of struggling with her own health issues and considering there must be more to healing than the answer she was given, she went on to study at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, adding a certified health coach to her education. And she continued to devote every spare second to studying, researching, practicing all things gut health and gut healing, and has built this amazing community, a gutsy girl. Uh, And we are just super excited that you're here. We can't wait to talk to you. We have so many questions for you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I love being able to sit down and talk on the other end of the seat with podcasters. So it's, and just kind of to be in the hot seat. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You have your own podcast. So we will all have to check that out as well. And yes, thank you for being on. I know Katie is the one who introduced your page to me and she's been following you for a very long time and is a super fan of all your knowledge. So thank you so much for being here. Well, before we get started, we like to do a little Nirvana of the week, Sarah. It's just something that just brought you a moment of joy. Amy and I will go first so you can get the feeling of it. Um, But Amy, why don't you tell us what was your Nirvana this week? So I was thinking about this this morning and I had a really cute moment yesterday. I was driving and you know, we're always like rushing and driving, whatever. And I was just kind of like, rushing through my neighborhood, not paying attention. And I was driving on my neighborhood street and I saw this massive deer go across the street like really slowly. So of course I stopped and the person across from me stopped. And it was like this massive mama deer walking across the street really slowly. And then like two seconds later, there was this little baby deer. It was the cutest thing. It was so small. I don't think I've ever seen a deer that small. This little baby deer just like like walking across this street kind of like not even so, you know, just kind of like bouncing around, you know, like a little toddler or something walking across the street. And the mom was just like waiting on the other side. And then she got to the other side and the mom like looked at her like we would do with our kids, you know, just like making sure she was okay. And then off they went. But it was just so sweet when you see nature like that. And it's like we all stopped all the cars, like my car, the car across from me, we all just like watched them and took that moment. It was just a nice little smile on my face. So I really appreciated seeing that. It was very sweet to see other moms right? doing their yeah. thing. So that was mine. That's, what about you, Katie? We here in our backyard all the time, which has actually brought me yeah. not a ton of nirvana because my dog had a tick yesterday from it. So that's, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Not in the backyard, right, right, right. out in nature. Much better. Um, I think <laughs> mine was yesterday with Reese. I have two girls, Sarah. I have a, an almost 10 year old and a five year old. And we just had some good snuggles last night. We both had really busy days and I, I took her to the dentist and we were, I was running all day. She was running all day. 
And um, we just got in bed and watched the other half of E.T. We watched this weekend and we watched it together. It's, oh. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. So it was kind of fun to watch with her, but it was just some good snuggles. What about you, Sarah? I love those. Those are so awesome. And I love this question too. It's such a peaceful and calm question. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two girls too, about s- similar in age. I, we have a seven, eight, and nine-year-old. So oh, wow. I have two girls and a boy. It's, a, it's busy. I don't have too many Nirvana <laughs> moments with them. Um, <laughs> but I would say, so I was listening to yours and I'm just taking myself to a really peaceful moment. And it was this morning actually. So a few years ago, about the time when my dad passed away, I started um, really like getting into succulents and caring for them and keeping them alive because they're always on the list of the easiest plants to take care of, but they're actually, they're not, Um, especially (laughs) when you live in Minnesota, because this is not the desert, obviously. Um, But so I have been spending the last few years really taking care of them. And so I, I have now brought them into my house in the winter and I put them under lights. And then in the spring and summer, I bring them outside. Well, my collection has just really blossomed. I have so many pots of succulents out on our deck. And it was just the most beautiful morning overlooking the lake in Minnesota today. So I went outside and I just sat there and stared at my succulents and watched the water, just like the sun glisten off of the water over my succulents. It was so peaceful. Oh, that sounds lovely. 10 minutes enjoying the fruits of my labor with my succulents. I love succulents. You'll have to send us a picture. I need to see what they look like so I can get some inspiration. I used to have some and now they're no longer in as good health as yours, clearly. But uh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, very peaceful. It sounds like a great way to start the day. All right. Well, let's kick this off um, because we have a lot of questions for you. I think first, if you could just give our community a little bit of an insight into the Gutsy Girl community, that would be great. Yeah, so I actually started the Gutsy Girl community way back when, in I think it was 2012 when I bought a gutsygirl.com. And at the time, so, and, and there's a reason I'm saying this first, but at the time, I created the brand and the community because I wanted to connect with women who were not only dealing with IBS and or IBD as I was. I, um, in 2008 was diagnosed with colitis and then 2014 was diagnosed with SIBO and all, I've been diagnosed with all the things. But also during that time around 2012, I was dealing with another super gutsy issue that many women also who have IBS and or IBD deal with, which is infertility. And so it was just this time of my in my life when I thought, you know, I'm going to just be really bold and brave and talk about this and form a community because I I didn't really have one. Like my offline, there there wasn't really one. So I wanted one and I wanted a space to be able to share and to talk about both the physical and the emotional challenges that I was dealing with. And so I created this community and over time, it, it really has shifted and changed, I think, partly because that's just the way that websites go typically, but also because I became less focused on the infertility part of it. I, I would do still talk about it sometimes, just not as often. And I got really hyper-focused on IBS and IBD because I I do a lot of plays on words, but I noticed that it was it they were these stinky topics that people in general did not want to talk about. 
but especially women. And so I thought, this is these are my people, and these are the people that I want to talk to and hang out with online, and and then ultimately, yeah, that's I love that. It's so true that um, it's kind of, it's not like it's taboo. It's just like I feel like people are embarrassed to to discuss these things, and meanwhile, it's super natural and common and all of us have it. I've always been the first one to be like, oh, go to the bathroom in four days. <laughs> and then I know people that are like, <laughs> they don't want to talk anything about it. And I, I mean, I understand. But to be able to open up the dialogue and everything is um, it, it's great. And it's incredibly helpful. And obviously, you have a massive following that you've helped a lot of people. Um, so that's why you have created it. And you, why your community of people, they're coming to you because you find that they are dealing with similar experiences, having a, a challenging time getting a diagnosis and and sorting out how to to heal their symptoms. Is that are those are the things that you help them with? Yes. So I feel like most women come into the community who have gone to Dr. Google and who are asking, why does my stomach hurt? It is the foundational feeling and question that many women have because it's very confusing. And I think the reason is because there are so many factors. And so on any given day, our stomach can feel off for, for one reason or another. And at some point, people just think, what's causing this? Why does my stomach hurt? Yesterday I was fine. Today I'm not. You know, last week I was miserable. What's triggering it? Like, and then they go down the rabbit hole and there's all these questions. And so I think, I think that's really the basis of the community and the, the foundational place that people okay. start. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because, um, like, I, I, I should be in your community because I experienced similar things. I'll have my stomach will be great and then it won't be. And then I try to figure out why and, and it's impossible. And then you figure out why and then it's something else. It's just constantly changing. So let's dive into a little bit more about what your expertise um, has taught you with all of this. Why, why is IBS, IBD, SIBO so prominent with women especially? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for this. And to be very clear, so, okay, so IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. It's just, it. it's a whole bunch of symptoms and things that then fall under this classification of IBS. It's pretty much when you go to your doctor and they're like, well, we're not really sure. So it's IBS. And to me and in my experiences and in different doctors that I've worked with and talked to and research and all the things, it's really just kind of a BS diagnosis. But unfortunately, so many women, that's kind of the place where they start and they they stay for a really long time. Then there's IBD, which of course is inflammatory bowel disease, which is very severe. It's a diagnostic. It's, you know, it, it's all the things. And I would say I tend to focus a little bit less there because it is so severe. And um, a lot of women, not a lot, women who have IBS can also have IBD, but they haven't gotten to that place yet, right? So it's like a, it's almost like a futuristic thing that I, I'm trying to help women get to faster if that's really what the problem is. Um, and then SIBO is just falls underneath the IBS category. So SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And it's 
it's a huge, I'm sure you guys have seen it online, but it's a huge explosion of conversation because more and more women are being diagnosed with it. Um, it's it's the diagnosis that you have been to your doctor, your gastroenterologist, your whatever, over and over and over. And they said, it's just IBS and turns out it's really SIBO. And so th- those are like, there, there's so many different terms, right? There's so many different things that people fall under, but that's where it's also very confusing because when we come into any one of these, there are multiple symptoms and you can have these symptoms on any given day, but that doesn't mean that you have colitis or Crohn's or celiac. doesn't necessarily mean that, but it can. And so I think that this is these are the things that I work with every single day and and women are coming into this community because they feel these symptoms and they know that they are not normal but they have just learned to live with them and now they're seeking greater answers. Um I will say that in my research as well we talk about women come in into the community and they're either more on the constipation, I can't go to the bathroom spectrum, or their diarrhea. And it is about 70% of women are fall more on the constipation can't go than on the other end. That would be and <laughs> yes. And and that's very common. And there's so many reasons for this. Of course, there can be underlying things. There, it could be a hormonal thing. It can be a, an actual medical condition. You could have parasites. You could have um, adhesion, scar adhesions that have, you know, there's so many actual medical things that it could be. But honestly, what I find more often than not is it's a lifestyle component. So it's the stress. It's the lack of exercise or too much exercise. It is the the diet it's the there are so many factors that play into it and see right here i've just described how many different things and this is why right. it's so confusing cuz you're like oh my gosh i don't even know where to start okay now well, i'm done or yeah it's and i would think it's hard too because um you know it's very different right for every single person also i would imagine the regular sort of traditional gastroenterologist type doctor would probably just like put you on some sort of medicine and like call it a day, which we talk about a lot on the show of like going further and figuring out what else you can do before like going on some crazy medicine or doing, you know, so it's also like, who do you even, the the fact that your community exists is amazing. And then it's like, there's got to be other ways to treat other than just like taking some hardcore medicine by like, you know, more integrative type wellness care, I would imagine. Yeah. So, and I think that's one reason why I'm able to connect with the community so well is because that was my exact story. When Mm -hmm. I was first diagnosed in 2008, it was through traditional Western medicine and a gastroenterologist, which on the one hand, you're so grateful because they are able to do some of those more invasive procedures and testing and insurance can help, you know, t- t- to help get you to those answers. But unfortunately, not once was I ever mentioned anything about the way I was living and the factors in my life. And instead, they gave me Canasa, which is a suppository, and it mm-hmm. made me worse. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I was like, 
okay, this isn't adding up because I got worse and I would I remember a specific day. It was a, it will never leave my mind. I was so distended and so bloated. I could not breathe. I was absolutely miserable and I called my gastroenterologist and he said, "Okay, yep, come in. I'm going to check you out whatever." So he looked at me and he said, "Oh, wow, you are you are so you are so distended." The answer is you're going to go down to the Walgreens and you are going to get a bottle of magnesium citrate. It was red, by the way, that big red gooey liquid <laughs> bottle. And you're going to drink the whole bottle. Oh my God. And it's going to take care of the problem. <gasps> and lo and behold, I went, I did exactly what he said at this time in my life. I didn't care. I didn't know any, any right. better. And it worked and everything went through me. And I was like, but I was miserable. I mean, I was miserable. I was sick. Like you hear mm -hmm. about all the jokes about the laxatives. Yep. That was me. That was me on that day. But I was like, there just has to be more. And I refuse to live the rest of my life like this. Yeah. Thank God. It's, it's amazing how um, it can be something so complex. And then also, but like something so simple, like taking magnesium citrate can help you in that moment. But the thing is, is that these are not long-term fixes. So what is it that you did to adjust and to, and to get to where you are now? Because from what I see on your site and what I've heard on your podcast is that you're, you feel great. You're really healthy. You've gotten your gut under control and you're helping others do it. What are for our listeners that are struggling with this? Maybe we can just throw out some like high level tips that could help them get on their way. So the way that I break it down is I have, after I went through my whole thing, I ultimately got my SIBO diagnosis in 2014, and um, I healed for good in 2018. And then I'm just I'm just yeah, playing please. out the rest of my story before I give you these, so, yeah, so, so it makes sense. Yeah. So I healed for good in 2018. Between 2014 and 2018, I relapsed from SIBO four times. I I have taken all the antibiotics, all the supplements. I've done every last protocol that you can think of from a dietary and medical standpoint. Um, and what ended up happening in 2018 was that I finally figured out how important that stuff was important, but the lifestyle component was. And so after I healed, what happened was in 2019 then, um, I just got this. My dad, my dad, let me back up too. My dad was diagnosed with colon cancer in 2017. Mm. So I, the irony though was not lost on me um, because I have I, an entirely renewed energy and passion for people and digestive issues and disease and cancer. Um, and so I got really, really, really hyper-focused on what actually helped me heal. What was it and what, what did that mean? And out of that derived my three pillars for ultimate gut healing. And the first two are definitely um, in order. And the third one is you kind of have to start working on it right away. But it's diagnosis, diet, and lifestyle. So without the appropriate diagnosis, which for me was the SIBO, 
I went years and years and years of being told it's just IBS and then colitis and then this, this, this. Yes, those were contributing factors. But what was my bottleneck making me the most miserable was the SIBO. Mm. So I had to get to that diagnosis. You have got to have an appropriate diagnosis because if you don't, it's like you're you're constantly playing the guessing game. You're constantly just going to be analyzing symptoms and trying to figure out which symptoms fall in line with what gut health problem, right? So diagnosis. The second one is diet. I, my biggest mistake that I made from a diet standpoint was that I believed that there was a diet, a templated diet out there that was going to heal me. And I believed that if I could So for instance, I would start with the paleo diet. And if the paleo diet was working, but it wasn't fully working, then I thought I had to paleo harder. And so then I went to the AIP diet, which is the autoimmune protocol, which is just a more stringent version of that. Okay, so then I'm actually eating less. And then, well, that's working, but there's still not. So then you, you know, yeah, you just go I've down this awful, awful. It's like now, now let's try yeah, the FODMAPs done all these diet things. and then let's do, yes, it just it's, keeps going on and on. Right. And so I had to learn the very hard way that there was no such thing as the perfect diet for me. And the only diet that would work for me, it was the one that I would create based on my diagnosis and what my body was telling me. And I did this through meticulous food journaling and listening to my body. We know, you you know, you're ever, inside we know. We don't need anybody to tell us that you can or can't have the white rice, okay? You, you know, your body knows. So diet was the second very, very important thing. And then the last one, the last pillar is lifestyle. And it's so funny because in the beginning of my journey, I rolled my eyes big time at this one. I was like, pfft. Yeah, right. I can, I can, you know, like, what's my lifestyle going to do? Like, how am I going to reduce my stress or who cares what supplement I, whatever, whatever it was with lifestyle, I did not believe in it until I started practicing it. And miraculously or not, my life completely changed. It completely changed. I think the first time I ever realized it was so when I was on my healing journey and really stressed and really bloated, for a lot of women, the first thing they think is exercise more. If I go run, it's going to reduce my stress. Maybe I'll lose a couple pounds. And, you know, and and we get women especially really get into this mindset when you're bloated and miserable and maybe hanging on to any extra water weight or whatever. That was really working against me. Every time I would start training it again for something new because I thought it was going to help me, I got worse. So the final time that I healed, I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I would just walk. I would do different stretches and yoga. I learned how to do all the digestive stretches and I healed. I mean, so, and I'm not saying that's what it is for everyone. What I'm saying is the lifestyle piece is so critical. I also started verbal therapy. I got massages. I did all the things that I always thought were so woo-woo and wouldn't work, and I do them to this day. And I think the lifestyle pillar is the hardest one because it's something that you do forever. You don't just get to, like, at some point, You know, we hope we can wean off of you know, high doses of medicine or like in the case of SIBO, I did intense 28 days of rifaximin and neomycin. Well, ultimately you do stop that, right? But you never get to stop the lifestyle piece. So that happened. I created those. And then 
I I am just so passionate today about continuing to teach and preach my three pillars because in 2019, then my dad passed away from colon cancer. And so I hear that it's this it's just been this roller coaster of and well and then (laughs) an awful tragedy like that happens and i mean i can imagine that it's very hard to maintain the lifestyle that you're supposed to be maintaining so it's probably a little bit of an up and down and but the the fact that you're healed um is amazing and i can only imagine how helpful this is for people and the the lifestyle piece you for you what you needed was to be like easier on yourself it sounded like like to be gentle more gentle with your body and and instead of killing yourself in the gym going on these walks and everything and we've talked a lot about that on here and how much it can really uh, help uh, on so many things so many levels with inflammation and and just achieving results on multiple layers um i want to circle back a little bit to the SIBO because i've definitely had an experience with SIBO um and i think for some people that are listening, if that's an unfamiliar term, it's good to just understand that we have all of this bacteria in our gut and it works for us. And then if it gets out of balance, it can work against us. And that's essentially what it is, right? Um, like I've had candida of the gut overgrowth and that is like, it's torture trying to get these things out. But the reason why I bring it up is because I just want to know what helped you get that diagnosis or what type of doctor helped you get to that point so that our listener, if they're experiencing similar things, knows who to go to. Yeah, I definitely went the functional route for that. So because I was so miserable and kind of at my wit's end, I'm like, I will try anything. At the time, we were living in California, and a friend of mine said, there's this fantastic functional doctor, but it's going to be like an hour and a half away. Do you, And he he specializes in all these things. I was like, it's going to be su- super expensive, but Again, I was desperate, and so that's what I did. That's the route that I went as I went uh, more functional. However, I will say that because it's become such a a, a more known um, issue in the gut space, a lot of traditional doctors are that's testing great. for it now. So, yes. So I think that back then, if you went to a Western trained doctor, they're definitely going to roll their eyes. And I still believe that there are, I know because people tell me a lot of eye rolls still like, you know, we're not going to test you for that. Like, especially in with people like what happened with me, I gained weight, whereas they're trained that usually you you lose a lot of weight. And so they might dismiss it. But if you truly think that you have it, do not let them. It's it's a very simple breath test. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but it is a very simple breath test. However, if you want to be, um, if you want to know that it's it's definitely going to be on the table for discussion immediately, going the alternative route is probably yeah. It's interesting. Happen. I have a question about SIBO. Is is that um, is that something you get that can be um healed and like you don't get it again because i know like colitis is more of like a inflammation that's you always have it that can like flare up and flare down but it's like a disease that you have versus is SIBO a disease or is it more just like something that you come down with that you can be healed from yeah you can be healed from it it's an overgrowth of bacteria um 
And so, okay, so like celiac or colitis, yeah, those are autoimmune diseases right. that can be triggered. You can, they can go into remission. But I, when I hear people say they're cured of it, I'm like, that's not the, the correct term because you don't right. get cured from it. There's no cure. Anyways, um, you can go into remission. But like with SIBO, so it's an overgrowth. And it's not just SIBO is SIBO is SIBO, meaning you also, there's some, there's a reason why the SIBO occurred to begin with. Right. And usually it's that you have to understand that to know if it's going to come back or not. For me, it was chronic dieting for years and years and years, which led to super low stomach acid, like not even hypochlorhydria. I had achlorhydria and like I had no stomach acid. And so until I figured that out, it did keep relapsing because also stress reduces stomach acid. So I had all the things anyways. So in that case, if you don't know you have low stomach acid, Yes, it's going to come back. You can treat it with your rifaximin, your neomycin, whatever you want, but it's going to come back. There's yeah. other things, though, like, um, so I had Dr. Nerala Jacoby. She's a SIBO expert in Australia. She came on my show and we talked about all of, like, the root, the underlying causes. And one of them is, like, um, scars or adhesions, like, if you have surgery. And in that case, I mean, they heal over time, yes, but I think it, it would almost, it seems like it would, it, it could reoccur easier because like, you're, you're never really going to get rid of them, right? Um, and then sometimes people travel and they pick up a bug. Those, and that is actually what rifaximin was originally prescribed for was traveler's diarrhea. And so with a case like that, I feel like that is a little bit easier to overcome because that's that was like a one-time thing. So I, right. it really depends on why it occurred to begin with. And you found out why it occurred through working with that integrated doctor, integrative doctor. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's, I think, such a key piece. I think we all struggle with like whether you have stomach issues or migraines like me, et cetera, of like, what is the root cause? Not like, how can I feel better? And yes, I want to feel better. But like, why am I getting it in the first place? And I think that is like the hardest thing to figure out. And I'm sure to your point, once you did, then you at least could try to figure out then how to resolve it. Right. So for me, it was understanding to the nth degree all about stomach acid and how I was going to increase it. And even to this day, I I have very adequate, obviously, stomach acid. I'm not relapsing anymore, but I still do things every single day to make sure that I'm always on the up. I want to ask a bit about that because I was wow. listening to your most recent episode, which is exactly about the low stomach acid piece. And I think that's my problem too. I'm pretty sure that mine stems from having hypothyroidism and autoimmune stuff, and that's the low stomach acid piece for me. So, but just curious what you do. Do you do, do you do like the betaine, HCL, or digestive enzymes and things like that to help you keep your stomach acid elevated? Yeah, I do both of those, which are also both in my supplement line because I'm so particular and adamant about them. Um, when I was first healing, I, yeah, the next episode of the podcast is going to be my 11 natural ways that nice. I increase it because mm. because I'm so passionate about it. But like, okay, so you can do things that will increase it via supplement. There are also natural ways like apple cider vinegar. You can do um, lemon. You can do breathing exercises. There's a lot of natural ways to increase it. My favorite one, honestly, though, is just straight any any type of added HCL, uh, betaine HCL with pepsin. 
um, and the enzymes. Because the thing that the the thing about stomach acid is that we need it to break our food down. So that means we just need help, period, in breaking food down, which is one of the biggest challenges across the board for people, I think. Um, there's so many different factors and reasons for that. But the first place that we start breaking our food down is we put food in our mouth and there's all these natural, there's, there should be natural digestive enzymes, right? Um, but even, even there, the digestive process gets off for people. And so having a really high quality digestive enzyme and or mine has the HCL a little bit added right to it. So it's kind of like an all-in-one will really help the food break down so that it's easier from a stomach acid standpoint. It's easier for everything to just digest. And for us, ultimately, the goal is to absorb the nutrients, right? And so and our nutrients, 90% of nutrients are absorbed in the small intestine, which is why when you have SIBO, it's a small intestinal issue, you have so many problems with um, with digestion, digestion, and then also um, weight because you're not either you're not absorbing them, you're not doing it right, whatever. There's there's so many different scenarios, I guess. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of natural ways that you can increase your stomach acid. Um, when I think something that's really interesting about stomach acid too is how we've been told forever that we all have too much stomach acid. So we have to be so careful because we're, we have acid reflux because we have too much stomach acid. And now, of course, research is coming out and people are really being shown and it's being proven that, in fact, a lot of these symptoms are coming because we don't have enough. And then, unfortunately, doctors are putting people with, quote unquote, too much stomach acid on all of these PPIs, these acid reducers, which then is reducing their stomach right. acid even more creating even more problems. Is I'm not saying test? that everyone. Is there a test to know you have low stomach acid? Yeah, so that I I just talked about that too. So there are there is a, a medical one that's pretty invasive, so a lot of doctors won't start there. They'll do more of an at-home test. The one that I did was with straight HCL and um betaine HCL and it's a pretty easy process. It's just getting the I think um Thorn has a great one on inter- integrative therapeutics. They both have just a great HCL with pepsin. So the way it goes is you have to be eating protein. That's that's what that's part of the test. So you eat at least like a whole serving of protein. You take one of the HCL pills, listen to your body, and and if there's no burning or anything, then you know that you might not have enough stomach acid. So then the next meal, you'd take two with high protein and see what happens. Now, when I did this test, I was up to like 12 pills and nothing was happening. And my doctor was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're having too much water with our meals, which also inhibits appropriate digestion. So we, so I was on a protocol for a lot, a long, long time where I was doing eight HCL pills with every, until I got it up. So wow. now I, you know, I'm way down, but that's one of the at-home tests. And then you'll see a lot of people talk about like baking soda challenges, stuff like that. I don't know. I never did that, but I know a lot of um, functional nutritionists will do that with their clients as well. Interesting. The only test that I know for stomach acid is that that one, um, it, but it's invasive and it's costly. So yeah. 
You're jogging my memory. Um, I, I wanted. I, I was to- just going to say, I when I had SIBO, like a like peak COVID, I did some of those tests. I did the baking soda one. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember doing these like at home experiments. It's <laughs> funny, and also just really quickly, Amy, sorry. And then um, I think it was on your no, okay. your social page that I saw a very simple tip for digesting your food, which is um, chew your food a lot, right? Chew chew way more than you think you should. And don't drink any water because when you're drinking the water with those meals, you're flushing out those digestive enzymes instead of helping them do their job. So that that one's always stuck with me. But anyway, Amy, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting because I, I feel like I'm always drinking water with my meals. So good note. Um, I wanted to go back to the food journaling because I think that that's interesting. I've never done it and I've always wanted to because it seems overwhelming. But like you were saying, you had a really in-depth food journal. Did you, was there a certain template you followed or how did you track it? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because I think for people that are having stomach issues, it might be something worth experimenting with. Yes. So I have my own journal actually, because it it was one of my top tools Mm. and I perfected the process over a decade. But I remember in the beginning, I, I have a post on my website too, that shows kind of what my journals look like in the beginning, because in the beginning they were really focused on calories and, yeah. and, um, I did, I did everything all wrong. And then till today. So, so food journaling, if you do it correctly, it can be life-changing. And the reason why I love mine so much is because it's broken down into 90 days. And the thing is, a lot of people that use my journal, why they like it so much is because it's almost like this, this compilation of all the things that they're doing, the symptoms they're seeing in a very structured way that they can then also give to their doctor. Yeah. So that by the time they get to their doctor, their doctor is not like... um okay, well, I think it's just IBS. They're like, well, no, because X, Y, Z, I've been tracking. So on my journal, you track uh, your bowel movements and I have the whole Bristol stool chart in there so that, you know, if our bowel movements are off on just a random day, randomly, we don't really think much about it. But like, for instance, if you are, you know, having a having diarrhea for seven days in a row and then there's blood in some of it, that's very telling. Your your doctor needs to know that. And there's a way that you can track that and to be able to see it over time. But in addition to things like that, I also have women track their cycle days because that's very helpful information for the doctor. I have um, obviously water intake, which is pretty standard and basic, but I also have an entire key. So, so the way that I created my journal is it's, it's bullet journal meets regular food and lifestyle journaling. Mm. So I get I provide a key and I teach teach you how to use it from the standpoint of, okay, so S equals supplement. And so when I write S, I can write like uh, digestive enzymes and then you write the time and then there's different symptoms that you can write down. And it's all right there in a really detailed and focused and simplified way for you and for your doctor. Um, Because I can't tell you how many times I would feel okay for, you know, a couple months and then I'd start feeling miserable again. And I'm like, oh, what did I do these past couple right. months? Like, how have I been living? Like what? And you, 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 there's just no way to remember all that stuff. And so right. this is, this was kind of my answer to That's that. That's very so, smart. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to check that out. That's really helpful. Yeah. Cause to your point, it's, it's like the food, but then it's like, what else is happening? And like, yeah, you're not going to remember how you're feeling on the daily and like, 
that's it's a great okay. tool. That's amazing that yeah. you have that. That's a good resource. Um, I feel yeah. like we could probably ask you one million questions about this and just keep going on and on and on. I feel like we're like just. <laughs> I know we have to come yeah. back because I'm. I'm like, wait, I have so many more uh, questions. <laughs> but so let's just quickly touch again on your line of supplements. So you you do have you have the journal that you just mentioned. You have the digestive enzymes, the, the betaine, HCL. Is what, what else do you offer? So yeah, the supplement line is only about a year old now. But the reason I did is because I was spending so much on everyone else's supplements. And I'm like, okay, well, I already like, I I know exactly what I need and what the community needs. So I'm just gonna do it. So it's you can't they're not on a gutsgirl.com. I they're on guthealingsupplements.com. And I have a I have a digestive enzyme, which is called breakdown. I have um herbal bitters because I truly believe in them for naturally increasing stomach acid and helping our bodies to just be able to do it on its own over time. And that's called Digest Plus. I have Tummy Soothe, which is my immune. It's my IgG immune. I'm obsessed with it. It's actually a powder, so you can add it to anything. It was unflavored. Um, And then we have a brand new, we just released last week, is collagen, which is one of my favorite things for all things, but not just gut health, but wellness in general. And then um, a magnesium, of course, it's called Move Now. And then just like two more that are, they're, they're just kind of like complementary to certain people or lifestyles or routines. One is more omega. It's really the inflammation reducer. It's um, a one-to-one ratio of DHA and EPA. So a lot of women love that one too. I don't miss a day with that one because, you know, inflammation. And then the other one would just be my multivitamin. It's called Nice. Congratulations. That's amazing to have have that line and offer all of it. What is your favorite type of magnesium? What what is your your magnesium? Is it glycinate, citrate? What do you use? Yep. It's it's glycinate. So, and I think people are always surprised that I didn't use citrate, but honestly – that's really like yeah. for emergency uses. It's it's really it's explosive, and I don't want that. Um, I have magnesium in the glycinate form, and you take it at night because the idea is that it promotes better sleep, which is foundational for my lifestyle pillar, but also more gentle as far as then your bowel movements the next day. And I just yeah, I I absolutely love that. We our whole family yeah, uses it. Yeah, I love so. magnesium glycinate. I and oh, by the way, I will say because this is one of my top questions people ask me all the time why don't you have a probiotic? And I will tell you why. The reason I don't have a probiotic is because I have always used the Just Thrive one and I saw no reason to create one. The reason is because I still believe at the end of the day that probiotics are very subjective and I really educate people on strains and species and understanding what can work for you. And and for me to create a probiotic was like, I almost, I felt like it was doing a disservice to people because I, I never want people to feel worse. <laughs> so, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I swear by the Just Thrive one, but it's not for everyone. And I don't believe that there is one probiotic that's just like for everyone. Yeah, no they can backfire. What. So you take yours every day. But that's what has, I do. But what's, yes, what I do, works but for you. Get, it doesn't work for everybody. It's not that a probiotic doesn't work for everybody. It's right. which one and right. which strains and species you're using might not. And also, if you have SIBO, when I was in the thick of SIBO and I was in massive like flare mode, I didn't take a, I didn't take a okay. probiotic yeah, either. That's so, interesting. 
if you're constipated, should you be taking a probiotic? Does that help with that or does it not? Or is it not related? Yeah. So again, it's that's going to go back to the strains and the species uh-huh. and what you choose and also just how it's working with your body. Right. I, and so that that's, again, I right. It's like working with a doctor, yeah. nutritionist, integrative doctor to figure out like what's right for you, essentially. Yeah. Which is why that food journal, I think, would be so helpful yeah, that's, for people. It's a great. It's called Healing Blooms Within. That was very intentional, nice. too. Yeah. I, I would imagine you just have to be consistent with it, and then you can find out a lot of information. Okay. Well, this has been amazing. I feel like we have so many more questions, and we'll have to have you back. Um, but thank you so much for joining us and you know, just giving us kind of the one-on-one on gut health. And I'm glad um, it's become such a big topic. I feel like gut health so many people we've had on the show have talked about, even if they're not experts in gut health, how important gut health is. And I think it's a little bit of a, it's such a vague term that sometimes it's hard to know what that means, how, what you do about it. If you somewhat feel okay, like what should I be doing? So it's just um, really great that you're out there educating everybody and um, just for our community, make sure you're following at a gutsy girl on Instagram because she has so many good pieces of information on there. Thank you so much for having me. I will come back on the show. Yay, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Nirvana Sisters. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, find us on Instagram at Nirvana Sisters. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, please share it and tag us. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of Nirvana Sisters. We'll continue to watch out for all things wellness so you don't have to. Bye. Bye.